There are men who feel they understand the true meaning of the holiday season without ever having owned the Marvel Superhero Holiday Grab Bag Treasury Edition from 1974 featuring the Hulk dressed like Santa Claus. And then there's Doug Bost and Adam Bernstein, two men who should have better things to do but aren't doing them right now. These are two grown-ass men. Man. With special guest grown-ass man, Joseph Koch. All right, the grown-ass men are uh, here with another episode. We're um, in an unusual location. We're on 2nd Avenue, my friends, and 41st Street in Brooklyn. There's not much nice stuff happening around here. No, it's a very strange warehousey neighborhood. What What is this neighborhood? Is this Sunset Park? It doesn't even have a name. This is no name. Just around the corner. But it's near Sunset Park. There are a lot of chickens and turkeys that are on their way to being executed for oh Thanksgiving. Oh, my God, it's it was horrible. Just crates and crates full of them. Oh. But here we are. We're um, visiting the Joseph Koch warehouse. Right. I've never been here. You've been here. More comics than you can shake a stick at. Oh, my. And it's in a warehouse in the middle of nowhere. And Joe, Joseph Koch, uh, has aisles and aisles and aisles and then more aisles and aisles and aisles of old comics every kind of old comic that you can imagine by the box load and it's it's a weird kind of mecca and we decided to visit today to check it out because you know I, I thought Adam needed to see it firsthand it's a nice sunny day outside we're gonna go into an old warehouse and smell old comic books Doors are being opened. Good morning. Good morning. This is not what I expect. This is like a warehouse supreme. And Savage Sword of Conan, like every one, every single issue <laughs> every of single Savage Sword one. of Conan. Bundled packages of every, ma every antique week book. American cinematographer. Bugs not Bunny, just comic books, but animals. just magazines, any paper. Doctor Who magazines, every issue. Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. Nice. I mean, look how high the shelves go. This is like hoarding gone awry. <laughs> this is not like what you see at a Comic-Con where like, you know, it's all set up nice and like, no. you know, they want, they want you to spend a lot of money. This is like, we don't even know why this is here. This is just a warehouse. Like, how many comics can you cram into a warehouse? <laughs> and you can buy them all. There's some old Daredevils. Oh, that's the Miller run of Daredevil. Miller run. Look, how many, look how many copies of issue 186 they have. Tons. I wonder how much they are. Oh, my God. Atari. This is what you want to have. Look at these Atari games. Space Invaders, Joust, Hat Trick, Battle Zone. Oh man, I haven't seen this kind of thing in a, like forever. And then at the end of each aisle, each packed aisle of paper is just a mess of who knows what that is. It's like they stayed organized as long as they could and then it's just this laundry. Piles this of laundry. Frankenstein and his laundry. <laughs> Frankenstein's laundry. <laughs> That's my new band. Just for a moment, let's look at the freebie shelf. 
at the Joseph Koch warehouse. What's on the freebie shelf? A stack of propaganda cards? I don't know what that is. A, a pile of keychains from the Crow City of Angels. So many bookmarks from City of Angels. Whoa. Cabbage Patch dolls with their feet wrapped in plastic to protect them. Who knows from what? Adam, where are you? Oh my God, I thought I lost you. So could, could we ask you a couple of questions? Do you have time to yeah, 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 talk? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How long have you had this place? And how did you start it? Uh, let's see. Hmm. Reaching back into the dim reaches of <laughs> God knows what. <laughs> we started buying out, basically buying out stores. You know, not so much collections. Right. But, uh, and, but entire stores. Right. And, uh, you know, sort of big inventories. And there was certainly a lot of turnover in the early years when it all, all it's always consolidating. So we ended up with a lot of books. We've been in this location since 1988 or so. What is this neighborhood called? Sunset Park. Oh, this is Sunset this Park. This is uh, Sunset Park. This particular, the, this whole area, uh, you know, with the, with the really big buildings, is in, it has been called Industry City since, or Bush Terminal, depending on which generation you're referencing. Uh, you know, and this, this used to be, this is like on the waterfront, you know, the movie, Marlon Brando movie, that basically was about this, via the docks here. And, you know, people have been playing around with it for a long time in terms of trying to develop. Now somebody's coming in with a vengeance. I mean, they're, you know, Amazon has, space. like, rented a million right. square, feet, square feet here somewhere. The New York Nets are, you know, have their training center here. So it's starting to get a little... The only reason that we're actually open to the public at all uh, is because we you kind of have to justify the rent because you know the mail order stuff we do we can do out of Arkansas at you know one tenth you know one tenth the rent you know so are you getting a lot of traffic like do people just find out about this place and want to come like I mean or... yeah we're getting I mean, I know, I've been a comic book fan living in this area for twenty years or so I never even heard of this place until Doug told me about it. <laughs> It is kind of weird. We have a kind of an underground <clears throat> reputation. You never know what, what kind of networky, you know, tentacles, you know, reach out and where they actually hit and where they don't. Because you're right, a lot of people, some, we hear, you hear from people in Buffalo saying, oh, we've heard all about this place in Brooklyn, da, da, da. Yeah. And then on the other hand, somebody lives down the block and says, hey, we never knew you were there, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, so. Uh, so as comic book stores have closed around the city, you have bought their inventory. In, right. in, a, in a number of cases, yeah. expanding how much you've got here at the warehouse. Sure. Did you ever think that it would be this large a warehouse? Because it's huge, how no, much no, stuff. We actually, we, are, we, we were larger. We used to be, be that entire side over there. Oh, wow. That's where the, you know, when the rents got high. So we do have dumped stuff elsewhere. You know, we ship we ship comics to like Nigeria and Bangladesh. and. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. If it wasn't for actually overseas... You know, we probably would have a hard time, you know, buying books in huge bulk. I mean, right. uh, uh, so, you know, you can ship them out by the pallet. You know, American popular culture is popular everywhere. So uh, we've been trying to figure out how to sell comics to China. We figured China should be vastly interested, but that that's, we've never figured that one out. Well, see how things change because the, we don't even know what the trade policies of the United States are going to now be. A lot of things are going to change. But the trade try. policy for the West Coast Avengers in bulk is probably going to remain pretty pretty stable. No, you don't know that. I don't man. think it's going to change much. <laughs>
so you only open this place uh, either by appointment or on select sale days. Is that right? That's correct. Are people just blown away? Like, because uh, I am whenever I come in here. But what? Yeah, no, no. People, you know, it is obviously there isn't anything, you know. I mean, we, of course, know of a handful of places in the country that, you know, are comparable, but, you know, most people wouldn't, you know, so, you know, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in the world and a lot of it's kind of neat, you know, yeah, it has sure. all, all different kinds of charms. So and we are really now, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, tr the problem is that once you start having, you know, buying stuff, you know, all, all this stuff just shows up, you know, because there's a lot of stuff in the world and it's some <laughs> kind of weird, you know. <laughs> Do you consider yourself a hoarder? <laughs> no, but we have met <laughs> a whole bunch. <laughs> yeah, uh, like you you have to you have to from? oh you have to meet what a real hoarder is. I mean you know, I mean we're <laughs> we have seen some buildings that like you really really wonder and you feel bad because I mean the people who are um, who are doing this oh actually one one hoarder kind of works for us uh, or occasionally shows up. Uh, and, you know, we used to literally have to go to his apartment, which he was constantly, well, he finally did lose it because he was a hoarder. And, you know, so every two years we'd go to his apartment, get a dumpster, and clear it out so his <coughs> landlord wouldn't, wouldn't throw it out. Now, he, that's, that's a hoarder. So this is definitely the largest warehouse in this area. Right. How do you know it's not the largest in the country? I've been in business for a long time. I know who has all the guns. <laughs> and I know it's not the largest in the country. <laughs> Where's the bigger one? Well, the most obvious thing would be Mile High Comics in Denver. Uh, you know, Chuck's warehouse is ridiculous. Mm. Uh, so, How many square feet does this place have? This has 5,000. So obviously when I'm saying Chuck has 70,000, that gives you an idea of... Wow. You know, that, that place is ridiculous. Do you have original to, art here? No, not that much. I mean, we do have some, yeah, but right. yeah, nothing that... Uh, We're kind of made, start a relationship with Paul Galassi, who did Master of Kung, Kung Fu, Fu, right? And, like, when I first got in contact with him, I was like, hey, man, like, does any of that art exist? Like, interested in maybe buying something? He's like, oh, I sold it, man, for beer, you know? <laughs> he goes, if you find any, let me know, you know? But it's like... You know, now everybody owns their stuff. It's a whole other world. Yeah. They understand what it's worth. No, so, no. well, culture is making something out of nothing. So, mm. and, and whatever value you attach to it. So, you know, yeah. I mean, the Lacey pages—they would be nice now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he regrets. Uh, of course, he has the advantage that he can make more Galassi pages. So, <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, to have something that he did back then. Yeah. No, no, that would be. And it just seems, it's so fascinating to me that in addition to owning this phenomenally huge collection that is kind of impossible to get to out here in Sunset Park, you're also part owner of kind of the premier uh, place for comics in Manhattan. It's, it's... Yeah, no, no, no. We love Forbidden Planet. I mean, the guy who manages that has done an amazing job there. I yeah, mean, it's really super nice. Now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a real. <coughs> it's like yeah, a real this boutique is. Store. It is a boutique <coughs> store. It's completely like changed from any concept. <coughs> I used to like the other one a little more. I think it just felt maybe more I was grew up with. No, no, no. I mean, there's the, home. that. Uh, it's definitely a different model, and yeah, I mean, I. 
You mean when they were right on the corner? Well, they also, also they were. It was more back issue issue. It was older. You know, it was yeah. kind of. A, you know, right now it it's felt like, like it was more like the heavy duty comic book. Yeah, now it's almost Long like a, you know, it's like a hot topic, you know, with a lot of comic books. I mean, it's almost like a chain store with, you know, and that's actually kind of what we're playing around with because uh, right now, in order for it to, you know, be a an old school comic store, they would have to have like two thousand boxes of comics. Well, in Manhattan, you're not paying rent for two thousand boxes of comics. I mean, you really knew. I mean, like I said, they sell through everything. They do not keep old stuff. Uh, so. You know, and that that's real important because the rents there are really high. You yeah, cannot, I can only you cannot, imagine what that you, rent must be. You can't, you know, you just literally can't not sell a lot, you know, because it's not, it's just not possible anymore. Forbidden Planet is almost like a, you know, its own evolution is almost like, you know, kind of the history of, you know, comics in retail because basically most larger comic stores i mean midtown still has some back issues and jim hanley's will always have some back issues but pretty much right now when you get to sort of semi-comic mega stores you know the back issues are just not you know back issues are sort of embodied in the trade paperbacks and uh you know the rest of it just is by mail by ebay by you know whatever because i used to be, be a part owner in a, in, a, in a couple stores in westchester called the dragon's den and i you almost could see the back issues starting to become irrelevant basically the, the creator of the comics and fandom as we know it is almost single-handedly phil Soling. do you know does anybody know this name no oh okay then we have an education phil Soling basically was a an english teacher in brooklyn uh, and he basically was a big comic fan in the 1960s and a big sci-fi fan. So he started the first sci-fi conventions in New York and then he started the first comic convention in New York in like 1965, 66. And the, the New York Comic Convention was the comic convention until San Diego became preeminent in the 80s. Right. The number one comic convention in the country was Phil Soling's convention in New York every July 4th. And, uh, but that was, he didn't stop there. The, uh, he basically was the person who went to Marvel in DC in like 72 and said, look, uh, you guys are you know, doing all your distribution through newsstands and candy stores, but you've got all these comic stores that are opening up and, uh, you know, and they have trouble getting any reasonable you know, distribution because that's not what the distributors are used to. We'll take everything at, uh, so that we can sell them to stores at 50% and they'll be non-returnable. So he made that deal with Marvel and DC in 72, and that basically created comic stores. You know, and it took tw comic stores about 20 years. I mean, by this time, there are no newsstands that carry comics. There are no candy stores that carry. I mean, pretty much comic stores are... <clears throat> That's thing. where you get your comics. That's where you get yeah. your comics. And the distribution company he created was Seagate Distributors. He created that with his, uh, his girlfriend at the time, Johnny Levis. The problem with Phil was, while he was a very clever business person in some ways, he never made his contract exclusive. And uh, the Forbidden Planet link comes in when some people from England came over to Phil and said, look, we want to do the same thing you're doing in England. However, the pro their problem was that they were able to go to Marvel, and Marvel was willing to deal with them, but DC was not. So uh, they said, look, we want to do the same thing in England. We can't do it, but can we buy DC Comics through you? And the people who called me up on Forbidden Planet opened up a store in England called Forbidden Planet. That turned out to be a big success, so they came back to Phil, whom they were already dealing with because of the, you know, because uh, Phil was basically running 
the DC Comics to them, and they said, this store is really working out well in London, we should open up in New York. What killed everything in a way was, you know, Phil died. He, he came down with liver cancer in 81, 82. You know, and Johnny was really kind of leveraged at that point, and she, she, you know, she had a lot of status, but she didn't have Phil's status. I mean, Phil was kind of unassailable, and suddenly, you know, all the competition. So he sort of started the whole comic book convention. He started comic conventions. He but he didn't live market. to see it explode. Comics kind of collapsed in the 90s. I always refer to Black April. Black April is April of 1993. The reason Black April is Black April is because in uh, at the end of 1992, The Death of Superman came out. Now, there had already been a lot of hype on comics by that time. Death of Superman comes out, it wholesales for 5 to $10 a month after it comes out. Suddenly, everybody decides that they're going to invest in comics and retire to Tahiti uh, in short order. And uh, the, the upshot of that, and there were about 60 comic stores in Brooklyn at that point. I mean, like, comic stores were opening up everywhere. And uh, then uh, Death of Superman comes out, all the hype comes out. April of 1993, the reign of Superman with the die-cut covers and the regular covers. Yeah. Tribe number one, Turok number one, Darker Image number one, Max number one, all come out in the same month. Three years later, there were six comic stores in Brooklyn. Everybody went on this, so when they'd call me up to sell out their store, you know, they'd have their regular back issues, and then they'd open up the closet, and there'd be cases of Torok One, case, you know, things that they bought for a dollar fifty, that they were that they were on the hook for for a buck fifty, and now they could sell for five cents a book, you know. Mm. So it was it was carnage. I mean, it was awful, and you know, comics. It actually looked like comics were gone, were gone. I mean, it just to me, it struck you know the the whole you know we were not particularly liable because I was I never bought anything direct from the publisher and we didn't speculate so uh, it wasn't that hurtful to us but it was hurtful to us that the entire you know all these comic stores went out of business I mean comic stores used to buy back issues off of us and obviously they were the wholesale market just collapsed entirely uh, and uh, you know but comics you know, and then you know in the early 2000s print runs are down you know there's a lot of celebrated stuff going on you suddenly have like walking dead is like a you know a ludicrously huge phenomena uh, and uh, so you know suddenly you know comics are it's okay. Back, yeah. Yeah, and it's, and it's it's sort of back in a different kind of way. That's why Forbidden Planet sort of makes some sense because it really is. I mean, there's a lot of people who will read. You know, like if you go to a college dorm these days, you'll see a few trade paperbacks along, along with their Jean-Paul Sartre and whoever else is the you know latest fashionable intellectual. You know, Kirkman and Morrison and Alan Moore and Neil Gaiman and all this. You know, so that I think that's just helped comics incredibly. Kayla Jokac. Okay, remind me. Oh, oh, okay, okay. No, we're here. No, we'll be here for a few more hours. Okay, all right, see you when you get here. Okay, all right, bye. Now, that's a depressing call on <sighs> What What happened? That's some uh, elderly lady. Uh, she wants to sell me her Beanie Babies, and buying Beanie Babies is always a depressing experience because there's no way you can make anybody happy with what you're offering them for Beanie Babies. Uh, <laughs> Well, I'm going to look at the box of your more prized comics right now. But thank you so much for talking to us, yeah. taking yeah. us on a tour. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> We're always hearing new stuff coming in all the time.
Hey, a big thank you to Joe Koch for being on the show and for showing us around his amazing comics warehouse. It's by appointment only, but check out his website at kochcomics.com. And coming up, don't miss our next episode where we talk about the one and only, this is amazing, friends, Chris Claremont. It's going to be awesome. We will see you then. Grown-ass men.